This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. Okay, set. Okay, um, ladies and gentlemen, we do it. We're talking about duties of the heart. Back here, even Pakuda, about Chovat Levavot, which was one of the probably was the first book of Musar, first book of ethics written apart from the Torah, first book of ethics, pure ethics, Musar. Uh, Duties of the Heart, written about a thousand years ago, I mentioned, a thousand years ago in Spain. And Bakhya ibn Pakuda was a Dayan, he was a judge um, in Spain. And he wrote this book, which is revolutionary, really, which discusses a person's obligations to Hashem. What are our obligations to Hashem? So we know that the Rambam gives us many obligations, all the mitzvot, several mitzvot. There are 613 obligations. Some are positive and some are negative. But he talks about the duties of the heart, which are, we know there are six constant mitzvot. Right? What are the six constant mitzvot which apply 24-7? There are six constant mitzvot which apply 24-7. The first mitzvah is to know there is a God. Number two is to love God. Number three is to fear God. Number four is to other than God. No one else but God. There's no other gods, right? Number five, don't go after your heart and your eyes, right? They say in the Shema. Number six, one is Hashem. There's one God. So there are six constant mitzvot. So how can a person do these mitzvot constantly? How can you always think? Of, you're driving down the street. How do, you, how do you manage to think about these things when you're driving down the street? <laughs> you know, it happens sometimes. You're driving, you don't even know how you got there. Happens to me, all, uh, I can't tell you. Okay, so a person's absent-minded, you're driving, you're driving, yeah. So the answer is, it's in your subconscious. A Jew has to know that these things are, exist. Hashem is behind the scenes. A person's got to know in the back of their mind, always in the subconscious, I believe in God, God is one, there's no other God. Uh, I love God, I, I fear God. Now, it's very hard to love God, and love, we have talked about that some other time. But that's the duty of the heart, that's what he's talking about. Duties of the heart... One of the duties of the heart is to believe in God. Now, we talked about last, we talked about belief in God. There's a difference between belief, and the Ramah says, not belief, it's knowledge of God. Belief is not good enough for a Jew. Belief means there's room for doubt. Uh, maybe, but I believe there is. I believe there is. But there's room for doubt. I don't believe there's a table here. I know there's a table here. So the difference between belief and knowledge. The mitzvah is, the Ramah, it was mistranslated from the Arabic. Unfortunately, Rambam wrote the Sefer Mitzvot in Arabic. And a mistranslation from knowledge of God became belief of God. But if you look in the original Hebrew, in the Yisodeh Torah, in the Mishnah Torah, which is in pure Hebrew by the Rambam, he says over there clearly to know, to know there's a God. The mitzvah to know God. Now, one of the effects of knowing there is a God, that's the important part. Now, what is the effect of knowing that? What's the outgrowth of knowing there is a God? Bitachon. In other words, I know there's a God, so what? What does that do? And the answer is, I should know the God. But we have to know. We're going to talk about seven criteria. The is very, very intellectual. And he gives us all the criteria necessary to really know there's a God and trust in God. And he's going to talk about that. So one of the criteria is you have to know God is good. If you know God is good and you know God loves you, now you can have bitachon. I know there's a God who loves me, Hey. Eh? I know there's a God who's good. Hey, that's beautiful. I know there's a God who's my father, my, my parent. He wants the best for me ever. And we have to internalize that. That's the easy part. It's easy to talk about it. It's very hard to internalize it. It's easy to internalize it when everything's going well, or when things are rough. That's the hard part. That's when it gets tough. That's when the going gets tough to really say, I really believe, I know that God's going to help me. I know God is there. And the famous story of Nachumish Gamzu, right? Nachumish Gamzu, he's sent by the Jews with a, tre- a treasure chest full of treasures for the Roman emperor. And he goes and stays in the inn, in the hotel, and the guys in the hotel are crooked, and they hear he has a treasure te- chest. They take, they take the chest in the middle of the night, they empty out, the, they take out all the treasures, and they fill earth from the backyard. He wakes up in the morning, they check the treasure chest, it's full of earth. So now, you and me would panic and say, crazy, we can't. there's no way I'm going to the emperor with a, bag, with, a, with a box full of earth. I'm going home. I'm going to take it, go home. I'm going to tell the Jewish people, by the way, I lost all the treasure. We have to need some new, new treasure. That's what I would do. I don't, everyone has to do that, right? Nachemish Gamzu says, no problem. Gamzu letova. 
I believe in that. What's the problem? If this happened, it's for the best. Hashem is behind the scenes. Hashem is running everything. I trust in God. He goes with a treasure chest full of earth to the emperor. The emperor's reaction is, throw him in jail. He's going to kill this guy. <laughs> he insulted me. He insulted me. He insulted me. All the Jews insulted me. He's the messenger of the Jews. He brought me a, a box full of earth. So one of the advisors over there, the commander says it was Eliyahu Navi, says, the Jews are not fools. They probably sent you some magic earth. Mm-hmm. You're fighting a battle now with the Germans. Send the earth and throw it at them yeah. and see what happens. So sure enough, he sends the earth to the army. Test out this earth. Is it magic or not? They take the earth and they throw it and then everyone runs away. The enemy run away. They're scared stiff from this earth. They, it, it, it changes into something and they, they run. He, they come back and they say, this earth is magic. <laughs> so what happens? He takes him out of jail. He thanks him, and he, give, he fills his box full of treasures. Now think about it. So he gave him earth, and he gets back treasures. <laughs> if he had given treasures, nothing would have happened. He would come back with an empty box. Think about it. It's amazing. Think about it. Not only that, but so much is his trust in God, he goes back and sleeps in the same hotel. Now, I would never do that. I mean, even if a miracle happened to you once, you're asking for trouble. You're taking the treasure back into the same hotel. And the guys in the hotel hear the story. They can't believe it. They knew. They sent earth to the emperor. And here the guy survived. And not only did he survive, the emperor gave him treasures. So they said, the earth in our backyard must be magic. It's from our backyard. So we'll give, we'll take truckloads of earth from our backyard to the emperor. Say, emperor, you know that earth, really, we tricked the Jew. He, he didn't really bring me magic. It was really from my backyard. We did it. We robbed him. Tell him, tell the emperor. We robbed him. We, put the, we took his treasures and we put the earth. It's our earth. It's magic earth. Emperor says, put them in jail. Army, take the earth to the front lines and try it out. And this time the earth did not work. And they're already in jail. That's it. That was the end of that. So, amazing. That's bitachon. That is amazing. I want to tell you another story, which I just saw today. One of the great rabbis in Spain. He was giving a drasha. And uh, this is not, the Spanish rabbis, he moved to Sfat already. This was in time of Arizal. He's giving a drasha about, about, uh, about emunah and bitachon, trust in God. And he says, if you really trust in God, if he's, you don't have to go to work. You stay home and say tilim all day. So there's a guy there whose job was to collect clay. It's a very messy, dirty job to make pottery. In those days, they would go find uh, wet places, you know, near the river, near the sea, near the lake, near the whatever it is, a mayan, a stream, find mud and take it fill up the uh, wagon and take it uh, to the people who make pottery. What a horrible, messy job. Can't imagine what a more messy job. That was his job. He said, listen, I'm not going. I said, I'm going to sit at home and, <laughs> and, uh, and, and say tell him all day. Okay? So what's happening? One day passes. His wife says, go to work. Two days passes, no food. She was like, go to work, daddy, go to work. I said, no, nothing, can't. Said, How are you going to support us? He said, listen, first things first, let's sell I have, a, I have a wagon and I have a donkey to pull the clay. Let's sell the donkey and the wagon. So he sells it to a non-Jewish guy, his neighbor down the, down the street. Okay. So the neighbor is now going, and the neighbor is carting rocks and stuff. He's also doing work with the cart and the donkey. One day he's pulling the rocks, and he finds a treasure. The neighbor who bought, who bought his donkey and his cart. It's a true story. And he puts the treasure in the cart, and he's putting the rocks in the car. And one rock came and hit him on the head and killed him. It was a neighbor. So now the donkey is so used to going to home, to his original home, he just pulls everything to the original home. It's a wild story. So they find outside their front door, the donkey in the cart came back, and the tre- with treasure in the cart. And he sustained himself for the rest of his life. That's the story. It's a wild story. I'm going to tell you a story. That's... So now the students of this rabbi go crazy. Rabbi, understand. This simple man, he, God blessed him. And we're trying all our lives to have bitachon, and we're not trying. How come it didn't happen to us? How come it happens to this guy? He says, bitachon must be stuck into solid earth, not into crumbling, crumbling rock. Your bitachon was crumbling, his bitachon was solid. So that's the test. The test is how... Okay, so now we come to a very interesting debate. We're going to go a little bit more into details. There's an interesting debate. What is bitachon? It's a, it's a debate which is a modern debate. 
This is not explicit in the Chobat Lebavot, but the classic the opinion of Chobat of Bitachon is, I trust in God. Whether it's good or bad, God, it's good in one plane. Even if I think it's bad, in God's plan, it's good. It's very high level, right? So that's Gamzula Tova. Even the bad, so uh, he trusted in God, and he lost his money. It became earth. Right? Nachamish Gamzu. Trusted in God. Became earth. So Nachamish Gamzu says, I'm not faced. That earth. That became earth. The bad, the bad is not really bad. It's good. Right? Gamzula Tova. Even the bad is good. So a person trusts in God, and bad happens. The person's going to say, the bad is not bad. God's plan, that bad will be good. Either it will be good or itself is good. You've got to look for the silver lining in the cloud. You've got to look for the silver lining in the bad thing. Right? Happens to everyone. Sometimes a bad thing will make a person grow more. If it never happened, a person wouldn't grow. A person wouldn't reach out to God. A person wouldn't have God in their lives. It's, it's, it seems to be the opposite. The more good we get, the less we think about Hashem, which is tragic. Hashem says, oh, you think about me less when a good thing happens? Okay, you won't, you won't get it next time. That's why we always have to be grateful, always have to thank you, always Hashem, I need you, I thank you. It's good, I need you, thank you very much for the good. We need it. So anyway, so one view is that on one level it may be bad, it may look to you bad, but it's good. Okay, that's, that's bitachon. Okay. There's a high level of bitachon, which the Rebbe of Lubavitch talk about. And that is, he said, we say, the three things that can destroy a decree. What are the three things? Tzom, kol, and mamon. Tzom is fasting, which is teshuva. Kol is prayer. A person praying can change the future. And uh, mamon is charity. A person gives tzedakah can change a person's luck. can change the future. He says trust in God can also change the future. Whereas the act of trust can change a person's destiny. When a person trusts that something will happen, something good will happen, he can change, change his destiny. So it changes his mindset. A person trusting God can change the mindset. And that change of mindset is considered such a mitzvah, such a powerful mitzvah, that that mitzvah is going to change his future, a person's future. That's an amazing concept. So very similar, a person prays, they can change their future. A person trusts, they can change their future. So maybe, if Nachemish Gamzi would not have trusted in God when, when, the, when his, his, his casket got filled with earth, then he'd be stuck with the consequences. But he trusted so much that that earth is not going to be the end. There's something good waiting for him when he goes to the emperor, which is, which is wild. Can you imagine what kind of trust that is? That he, 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 got, he was successful. That trust caused the success. So, that, so no, that's, that's what Lubavitcher Rebbe says. He says the trust itself can change one's destiny. It's not like trust is whatever God will give you good. No, the trust itself is going to change the destiny. That's amazing. But is that the trust like, like Abraham Avinu who, when he was asked to sacrifice, you know, Yitzhak? Is it because, grapes and no wine and no you know so is that it or or is it or oh, I think it's going to turn out okay well number one it's definitely going to turn out okay now there's different levels of turning out okay is it going to turn out okay that I can see it's okay or is it going to turn out okay that I can't even see but it really will be okay in other words even if, if, there's if different levels yeah. I still believe it. I believe it's going to turn the, into the, good. In a, in a place where I don't understand. Hashem will make it good. Yeah, in a place I don't understand or in the future. So that's the trust you're talking yeah. about. Yes, so, so that's the big debate. That is the big debate. So the first opinion is, Gamzulatoba means right now it's not good. But I trust God will take it and make it good. The second opinion says, no, the trust itself is going to change into good all the time, every time. If you really trust, that's the Baba Cherry's opinion. If you really trust, there's no bad. It will always turn good. If you really, but it's going to be a rock-solid trust. And that's the hard part. The hard part is having that rock-solid. We find the Abraham Avinu, right? Hashem says, go and take your son and kill him, basically. But Rashi says he, he misunderstood it. He didn't really say kill him. That's, that's another problem, is we don't understand really sometimes. We don't understand what Hashem is saying sometimes. That's the problem. That's one of the problems. Anyway, 
So I just want to go through seven qualities. This is uh, in chapter two of Chobat Levavot. There are seven qualities one must have. So now he's talking about who do you trust? So for a person to be trusted, they need seven qualities. Right? Usually children trust their parents. Why do children trust their parents? I don't know. Today, I don't know if you can trust your parents anymore. Yeah, you trust your parents. I trust my parents. Number one, the person has to be compassionate, sympathetic, and loving. If the person is not compassionate, so why should I trust him? He's, he doesn't have my best interests in mind. If I can't trust the person, what's he, I can't trust him. He's not truthful. How can I trust him? If he's not loving, how can I trust him? So it's very important. That's the first criteria. He calls it one, but it's really three. The one you trust must be compassionate, sympathetic, and loving. Right? So you'll only trust someone who has sympathy for you, who's loving towards you, right? And that's very important to know that a person's got to realize Hashem is sympathetic towards us. And most of us don't even think about it. Hashem loves us. I was watching a video today. It was made by a school in Boston, Jewish school, Maimonides. And, they, and it was an interview with their children across range of, of classes. And this girl must have been like four or five. So they asked, uh, the interviewer is very tongue-in-cheek, he asked the kid, you know, he says, uh, does God speak to you? She said, yeah. The kid nods her head, yeah. He said, what does God say, say to you? He said, I love you. <laughs> <laughs> but we have to realize that's really what's going on. We don't really realize that. We don't really appreciate that. We have to think all the time. Just like there's a mitzvah to love God, we're reciprocating. We're not it's loving God for no reason. We're loving God because God loves us. We don't really appreciate how much He loves us. That's a trouble. That's a, that's a big problem. How much does God love us? So the answer is, if you love your children, obviously Hashem loves you more because Hashem is the creator. Your, ch- your parents didn't really create you. They helped bring you in the world, but they didn't really create you. They didn't do the background of, uh, work. Hashem created us, so how much more so He loves us? And that's why Hashem created this concept of parenthood. Why did Hashem create parenthood? So we'll understand what it's like to be a child, and we'll understand what it's like to be an adult. We'll understand what it's like to be a creator. We'll, we'll know what it's like to be a little God. If we couldn't create, we wouldn't know what it's like to be a little God. So you don't have to have children to be creators. An artist is a creator. A mechanic is a creator. Everyone is a creator in some sense. You write a book, you're a creator. You're a creator. So now you're attached to that. Whatever you create. Number two, you must be confident that in addition to the love, the person will not overlook or ignore your wishes. Look at that. You've got to be confident to the point where Hashem really cares to the point where He's not going to overlook your wishes. The person says, this is very hard. And we all pray. But do we really believe that that prayer is going to make a difference? It's, that's one of the hardest things I find. You know, who am I? You know, my prayer will be accepted. I don't know. Who am I? And the, the problem is that a person thinks that prayer will be accepted. It's not going to be accepted. <laughs> it's an irony. The Gemara says in Brachot that a person shouldn't believe, shouldn't think that their prayers are so important they're going to be accepted. In other words, a person shouldn't have pride and say, you know, whatever I say, God is the genie of the magic lamp. He's definitely going to do it. But a person's going to think that God loves them to the point where God is really going to give it consideration, the best consideration. And sometimes the answer is yes. Sometimes the answer is no, like a good parent. God is like a, the best parent you can ever have. The best parent who loves you and is compassionate towards you and wants to help you the most and really cares about you, and you can really trust implicitly with everything you have. Number three, what's the use of trusting someone who doesn't have capability? So it's very important to believe. God is all-powerful. God can turn the whole world upside down in seconds. And if you've seen this thunderstorm yesterday, I was sitting over here, pouring, pouring, pouring. So I'm going to wait till it stops. <laughs> sure enough, it stopped. That's what happens. Everything goes away and it comes back to be a clear day. It's amazing. In seconds. The power of God is amazing, right? Um, earthquake in Italy. Knocks down buildings hundreds of years old. It's amazing. The power of God is just... The brach on an earthquake is... His power fills the world. It's like... You have to realize all these things are God, God's power. And this is a little, little bit of God's power. So we have to be... Number three is God has the power of fulfilling our request. There's no point in, in trusting in someone who cannot fulfill the request. You have to believe that God has the power. Of, what's the point? What's the point of praying to God? What's the point of trusting God? So if God is not equal to the task, or if someone is not equal to the task, what's the point in trusting Him? You call your friend up and say, help, can you help me? I need a plumber. So you say, I'm not a plumber. Why are you calling me? But maybe you'll know something. Okay. 
But what's the point of quoting someone who's, who doesn't know how to do something to help you? In other words, why put your trust in someone who can't help you? Right? So even if the person is compassionate, even if the person loves you, even if the person is concerned, but they can't do it. The guy's not a lawyer, he's not a doctor, no one. He's compassionate, he's concerned, he loves you, but he doesn't have the equipment. So you have to believe that they have capability. You have to have belief. So we have to believe, that's number three, is Hashem has capability. Well, that's very important. And that's uh, a person who really believes in God. They know God is the creator. God is all-powerful. It's very important. And that's why we call God Elohim. Elohim means all the powers. It was pagan gods are split. This is the God of wind. This is God of rain. This is God of uh, snow. This is God of this. God of this. God is Elohim. What's Elohim? Why is it in the plural? Because every single ability known to man is in God. Every single power we know and we don't know is all in God. It's in the plural. The powers. God is the powers. It's the royal we. 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 Number four. You have to know that God knows what's truly good. And that's what brought us back to what we said before, right? God knows what's truly good for you. You may look at it as bad, but in God's eyes it may be really good for you. This is what's good for you. So you go to a doctor, it gives you bad medicine. It gives you bitter bitter medicine. Say, Daddy, why am I giving you the bitter bitter medicine? Bitter medicine is good for you. What can I tell you? (laughs) It's good for you. So only God knows what is truly good and what looks like good. So for us, we know what looks like good. Like, I want to win the lottery. For everyone in America today, winning the lottery is good, right? Well, maybe not. If you're far-sighted, you'll say it's bad. Why? Because 10 years later, the guy is poorer than he was when he started. And his marriage broke down. And he got into drugs and all sorts of things. And now he can't. He's got to pick himself up from zero, minus. It's wild. Look at the statistics. These people are worse off. So is it good for you or not? Probably not. If you're far-sighted, it's not good for you. So is it good for you or not? So it's like eating candies. It looks very good. But you end up in a dentist chair, it's good for the dentist. It's not good for the person. It's good for the dentist. It's not good for the kid. So that's important to know. And that's the trouble when we judge and say, God, what did you do to me? Hashem says, I did the best thing for you. And you know what? You're not gonna, you may not appreciate it now, but maybe down the road you'll appreciate it. So it, it takes a lot of confidence. So a person has to have confidence that God knows what's good for us. Just like a child has to know that parents know what's good for you. So the parents tell the kid, listen, I have son, I know what's good for you. Right now, this is good for you. Good for me. Go get the shot. Get the, get the pip, uh, this big injection. Now. Imagine how many times I oh scream and shout. <laughs> No, no, please, no, no. Yes, they put a shot. Yeah, but we know today it's, it's good, thank God. Prevented all these diseases. Number five. This is this is amazing. God is with us right through from when we were babies all the way to old age. There's not one period in our lives where God is not there. A person has to have confidence that God is with us right through our lives. Imagine. Not just through our lives. This is the most comforting part. I find the most comforting part is God is even with us after we die. It's amazing. Who can you take with you right through your life and even after you're gone? There's a famous story. It's a beautiful story. It says the man had a court case and he tells his three friends, can you come with me? I got a court case with the king in the palace of the king. And his best friend says, sorry, I can't come with you. Best friend! Second best friend says, I'll come with you to the gates of the palace. But I'm scared of the king, I can't go in. And the third best friend says, I'll come with you in front of the king and I'll help you and I'll argue with you. So rabbis say the, the court case is death. The person going to the cemetery and being buried, that's going in front of the king. He's going in front of God now. His best friend, what's our best friend? The wallet. The person's got his wallet, credit card, 24 hours, 24 7 in his pocket. Closest thing. And the wallet says, I can't come with you. I can't do anything. Sorry. Then his next best friend, what's the next best friend? His family and his friends, they say, we'll come to you to the gates of the palace. We can't come to the palace. We can only come to the cemetery, that's it. That's the gates of the palace. And the third best friend is the person, he's his mitzvot. Maybe I did this mitzvah, that mitzvah, infrequently, without gusto, without this. The mitzvah says, I'll come with you and I'll argue for you in front of God. So we have to know that certain things are lasting and certain things are temporary. So we can depend on Hashem, not just 24-7, not just in this world, but also in the next world. He's with us all the time. That's amazing concept. 
And this will cause you to trust Him implicitly. This is what Levavot says. If you realize that God is with you 24-7, not just all the days of your life. Listen, old age is very scary. I see it. I know. I visited. I know. Old age is probably the worst time of one's life. Most helpless, besides being a child, we have your parents. If you don't have good kids, and you don't have anyone to look after you, and you don't have money to be looked after, and if you do have money, sometimes it's worse. You can be taken care of. You can take taken advantage of. So it's really the most scariest part of a person's life is old age. And that's the time we need God more than any time. But there's an even scarier part, which is even after that. <laughs> but it's very comforting to know that God is there all the time. God is with a person. A person believes in eternal God. Eternal God means God is there for eternity, with you for eternity. That's amazing. And a person is going to grow and, and get closer. That's the idea, to get closer to God. Number six. You have to realize that you can trust and depend only on Hashem for everything. No one else can harm you or help you, improve your situation, protect you from harm. Only Hashem. Now, in other words, nothing else. En od milvado. And that's in the Torah, in Dvarim. En od milvado. We say this, we take out the Torah. Atahore taladat, Hashem and Hashem and Hashem and Hashem and Hashem and there's no one else but God. In the heaven above, in the world. There's nothing else. There's no real power. Everything else is under God. The real power is God. Everywhere. That's number six. Number seven. God is completely, constantly, and endlessly generous and kind to everyone. Whether they deserve it or not. Wow. You don't have to deserve something for God to give it to you. It's amazing. And you see it today. Yeah, that's one of the famous questions of Gemara, right? Why do the wicked prosper? So this answer can answer that answer. The answer is God is generous to everyone. The fact is the wicked people are alive. Righteous people are dying. Why is God generous to the wicked? That's the big question the Gemara asks. We see God is generous to everyone. So we have to realize these are things which are necessary for us to build up a trust. So he must be completely, constantly, and endlessly generous and kind to everyone, whether they deserve it or not. Someone who has these qualities... In addition to those mentioned previously, meets all the standards for trust. If you know such a person, I don't know any people like this. Because they don't have the power. They don't have capabilities which God has. They're not there 24-7. They don't know everything. They're not powerful in every aspect. Then he says, if you know such a person, it's your duty to trust them. Have confidence in them, outwardly and inwardly. And prove your trust through your thoughts and actions. And that's the hard part. The hard part is proving our trust through our thoughts and actions. And then we have another question. What about hishtadlut? What about striving? How much do you strive? How much do you not strive? I trust in God, but you still have to do your job. You can't just sit back. Maybe you can, if you really trust. <laughs> if you really trust. So a person's got to submit to God, accept the decree, decrees of God, and judge all his decisions and actions favorably. Believing there are for one's good, even at times you are made to suffer. That's the hard part. Suffering is the hard part, and seeing God's goodness in the suffering. That's that's the hard part. That's really hard. So let me just let's just go through this again because so these seven criteria are really so important. Number one, the one you trust must be sympathetic, compassionate, and loving. Okay. So in other words, you can you go to your parents and they're sympathetic, they're compassionate, they're loving. You know you can trust the parents. That's number one. Number two, in addition to the love, they're not going to overlook you. Say, ah, this guy, this guy doesn't matter. I love him, but you know, he's a nudnik. This kid's a nudnik, right? So you're confident this person's not going to overlook your wishes. They're going to do everything in their possibility to, to perform your wishes. And your concern is always on their mind. Hashem is always worried about us. I wouldn't say it's not a good word. God doesn't worry. God has no worries. But He's always concerned. He's always concerned what humanity is up to. Right? He's always concerned about the individual. Now, the Rambam has a very important idea. The Rambam says, the more we think about God, the more God's providence affects us. It's a very important idea. A very, very important concept. How do I get God to be closer to me? And the answer is... I get closer to him. How do I get God closer to him? How do I get closer to God? How does a person get closer to God? Prayer. Prayer. 
study Torah just by thinking. Think about God. If you think about Hashem, He has you on His mind. It's a reciprocal relationship. The more you think about it, it's very hard all the time for us to think Hashem, Hashem, Hashem. And the truth is, we need Hashem every second of the day, I tell you. I think about it when I'm driving, because I'm, it's so dangerous out there. It's, it's crazy. You don't know. Within one second or another, person's going to think all the time, Hashem, I need your help. I need your help. I need your help. Hashem says, You need my help. I'm here. I'm with you. Unless what David Abelach says, Even though I walk through the valley of shadow of death, I will fear no evil because you are with me. Why is God with David Abelach? Because David Abelach says, I'm with God. I'm with you, Hashem. I need you. <laughs> I'm thinking about you all the time. So it's a very important concept. The concept of it's a reciprocal relationship. You think about me, God says, I'm with you. Rambam says, Amazing concept. It's an amazing concept. The idea of divine providence, there's different kinds of providence. The more you decide to think about God, the more God says, you have more providence. I'm going to increase you, my shield around you, my force shield around you. The less we think about God, God says, okay, the less I think about you, you're left to chance. And that's one of the curses of the Torah. The worst, one of the worst curses of the Torah is, if you walk with me, Bakeri, which is happenstance, I will walk with you, Bakari. I'll walk with you, happenstance. If you believe everything is luck and chance, a story of Purim, then everything will be luck and chance. I won't be involved in your life. Hashem says, I'm going to walk away from you. But the truth is, Hashem doesn't walk away from us. He just hides his face. And that's what happens in, that's in history. And that's the story of Purim. Anochi haster astir. I will surely hide my face, which is the book of Esther. Esther. You won't find God's name in the book of Esther. God's face is hidden. What does that mean? You guys walked away from me, Hashem says. I'm going to walk away from you. What does that mean? No more revealed miracles. No more seeing revelation. Everything's going to happen through natural means. But God is still behind the scenes manipulating the natural means. And that's today's day and age. Today's day and age is Hester Panim. Because our belief is lower than what it was in those generations. We have to believe and believe. Believe in miracles. Believe in uh, God's providence. The more we believe, the more providence there is. So that's number two. Hashem is not going to ignore us. Hashem is not going to push aside our request. So we trust someone who'd, who pays attention to us. Number three. Must be f- capable of fulfilling our request. And Hashem is capable of fulfilling anything we need. All right, that's number three. Capability. Hashem is all-powerful. Number four. Hashem must know what's good for you, right? It's no use going to someone who you trust, asking for something, and the guy is going to be so good, they're going to give you anything you want, but it may not be good for you. Right? That's the reason a good parent or a bad parent. A good parent will give you only things that you really need. A bad parent will give you anything you want. And that's how they ruin the ch- child. So Baruch Hashem, Hashem is a very good parent. Hashem knows what we need. Hashem will give us what we need when we need it. We have to believe that. Hashem will give us what we need. If I don't get it now... It's because I'm not grown up enough to get it. I'm not mature enough to handle it right now. But when I need it, Hashem will give it. And a person should have that belief. It's a very important belief. And number five is Hashem is with us all our lives. There's no time in our life where Hashem is not with us. Through infancy, childhood, adolescence, adulthood, old age, end of our lives, beyond our lives, past our lives, spiritual life, Hashem is with us all the time. When a person is aware of that, confidence in Hashem. Hashem is with me 24-7, all the days of my life. That's a very important. And number six is, nothing else can harm you if Hashem is with you. Nothing else. He's your force shield. Hashem is Magen, right? He's a Magen. He's called Magen Abraham. We say every day, Magen Abraham, Magen Abraham, the shield of Abraham. Ani Magen Lach, Hashem says to Abraham. Wow, what a powerful statement. Why? Because there's different levels of providence, we said. Look at the Shemun Asrei. There are four levels of providence in the Shemun Asrei. What are the four levels of providence? Melech, Ozer, Umoshia, Umagin. Melech is a king. Now, you ever try and call a king? Do go and try and call Obama. Say, listen, I got a message for uh, Dr. Obama, Mr. Obama. I need to see him tomorrow, 10 a.m. Good luck. You won't get through. You may reach some secretary. I, don't know, I never tried it. You probably reach your secretary and then he'll take a message and get back to you maybe in a week, two weeks. There's no way you'll be able to see him, but maybe you can see an undersecretary or someone will, some representative. I don't know. I have no idea. I've never tried it, but I'm just saying. Melech. Melech seems to be the highest level of providence. It's the lowest level of providence. God is the king. But a king, you ever try and go and see a king? 
But you know, truth be kind, it's not good good equation. Why? Because God is like no other king. <laughs> God is a hands-on king. Most kings are not hands-on. They're not everywhere. God is a hands-on king. But let's just take the example. This is an example of Hashgacha or providence. Melech. Ozer. What's an Ozer? Helper. When is the helper there? You make an appointment. You gotta need a cleaner, the cleaner will come next week at 5 p.m., whatever it is. You make an appointment. The cleaner's not there all the time. That's what I'll say. Moshiach. What's a Moshiach? 911. You call Hatzalah. They're there in seconds. You call the first aid squad. They're there in seconds. You call the fire, fire truck. Right? That's a Moshiach. But Magen is the best. Why? A Magen is a shield. When is a shield there? 24 7. That's the highest level of. That's what we want. We want God to be our Magen. And that's what God promised Abraham. Abraham Vinu, Anima Genlach. I'm going to be your shield. That's amazing. It's what, a, what a blessing. I'm going to be with you every second of the day. I'm going to be your shield. But that's, if a person believes in it, it will happen. If a person believes God is with them every second of the day. The trouble is, when a person's in trouble, they forget. When a person's in, in fear, they forget. And when they forget that God is with them, God abandons them. Because the process of getting God's providence is based on our belief. And our knowledge that God is with us. A person has to have constantly in their minds, God is with me now, God is with me now, God is with me now. Once that disappears, the providence goes away. It's, it's very hard. It's very hard to keep it with us all the time. That's why it's good to say Shema all the time. You say Shema. Every time you're in trouble, you say Shema. You say Shema. Remember, there's one God who, who's with us all the time. And number seven. Uh, yeah, number seven. A person's got to know that God is kind and, and generous to everyone. And there's a, there's a trait called Hanun. Hanun is a trait of grace that even a person is not deserving, they get. And that's what Moshe Rabbeinu and Moses prays for in Parshat Vayet Hanan, which is based on the word Hanun. God let me into, into Israel even though I don't deserve it. That's, and that's very important. And then he continues the Chavad Babot. He says, if we analyze these seven requirements for trust, we would discover that human beings have none of them. Only Hashem possesses them all. And then he quotes different verses to prove the point that God has all these different qualities. So a very, 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 very beautiful uh, idea over here. That there are seven, seven things we have to believe in uh, to trust someone. Seven criteria to trust someone. So today we know, yes. I have a question. Yes, go ahead. Please. Please. There are some Hasidic groups that become very, very um, attached to their Rebbe and have a tremendous amount of trust in their Rebbe. Isn't that dangerous? Because the Rebbe is a person. As as wonderful and and, and amazing as he may be, he's still a person. And I've always felt like, isn't that... It depends. It depends. And it depends on how far you take it. Once you say a Rebbe is like a God, that's obviously that's, that's a borderline. That's that's it. That's not Judaism anymore. That's not Judaism anymore. Once you say he's God incarnate or whatever, godly, then it's very dangerous. Very dangerous. But a Rebbe, the, what a Rebbe, what does a Rebbe mean? A Rebbe means a teacher. A person's going to teach Torah, so he's teaching Torah, and that's what he does. That's a Rebbe's job is to teach. He teaches Torah. He teaches Midor. He teaches how to behave. That's the job of the Rebbe. He's giving guidance. And you go to a wise man for guidance. Uh, you go to a Rebbe for guidance. That's the job of the Rebbe. The, it's not the Rebbe's job to become a god. Shalom. So it's very important to draw the line. And the Rebbe, if he's smart, will draw the line. Say, listen, I'm a Rebbe, which means I'm a teacher, I'm a guide. But don't believe I'm a god. You don't pray to me. You pray to God. Don't pray to me. You can ask me to pray for you. Which is already, uh, yeah, that's the Gemara says, if someone is sick, you go to the person, hacham, you go to a wise man. But it's very hard to pray for yourself when something is bad. It's very hard. There's an interesting Gemara, the Gemara says, En ha'asir matir asurim. A prisoner cannot release themselves from jail. Why? Let me just tell you, there's a Kabbalistic concept of two mindsets. There's a mindset called muhin de katnut, which means the brain is small, which means a person's mind, they cannot be, what's it called? See the broad picture. They're very focused on because they're because of this trouble. All their energy is focused on this small particular thing. They can't see the big picture. They lose track of the big picture. And there's a muhin de gadlut is when a person can see the big picture. It's totally different, totally different mindset. Totally different mindset. Most people just walk around in a small mindset. Why? Because their troubles. They think about their day and they think about their life and they think about this. That's all. They can't see the big picture. That's muhin de gadlut. 
So you need someone who can see beyond that. So you go to someone who has a broad perspective. You can explain to him your problems, and the person will say, listen, I see it from my perspective, I can see a bigger picture than you can see. You can only see your particular problem, but I, I can see everything, I can see everything. So that's the idea of going to someone wiser. So that's the idea of going to a Rebbe who's wiser for guidance. Uh, maybe they can see further the guidance or whatever. Plus, they have, uh, sometimes they have siyat et shmaya. They have, if a person is a holy person, they have what's called help from heaven. So it's very important to have, and that's a very important idea that a person really believes in God and really is a holy person, they have help from heaven. That they can see and they can get help. Um, and they can bless. Sadiq Gozer, Hashem Ekayem, a righteous person gives a, says a decree and then God says, okay, you say it, I'll do it. <laughs> so that's a very useful, like, uh, well, that's a very useful gift. So that's, uh, so there is a borderline, there is a, a gvul, there is a, a boundary by which a person should not cross. That is, a Rebbe says, I'm divine. Oh, that's very, very dangerous. That is not a Rebbe anymore. That is, that's not Judaism anymore. The Rebbe says, I'm a teacher, and I give advice, and whatever, that's, that's fine. So that's what fine. happens if, you know, uh, individuals are doing that, have taken that stance that their Rebbe is more than just a Rebbe, and the Rebbe passes away, is, is he held accountable for that? No, I don't know. I don't know. I don't want to talk about it because uh, it's very, a loaded question. And, uh, but the Rebbe should teach and say, listen, I'm not divine. He should say, I'm not divine. I'm not uh, God's son. <laughs> you know, have it to someone else. But the Rebbe, the Rebbe should teach. The Rebbe should say, listen, I'm not divine. But I may have divine inspiration. There is such a thing called divine. Ruach HaKodesh. There is prophecy. We know there's prophecy. But even the prophet... They know he's not God. The prophet is not. Listen, the prophets are much higher than any Rebbe that exists now. Moshe Rabbeinu was the biggest man. And he says, he was a man. The man Moshe. Aish Moshe. The man Moshe. And that's why we don't even know where he's buried. Why? Because some people would have worshipped him. They go to his grave and make him a God. So it's very clear. The Torah is very, very careful about Moshe Rabbeinu. Saying like, he's the greatest. There was never a Rebbe like Moshe. Never a person never reached the level of Moshe. And yet, and yet Moshe, we've got to talk about it. Bitachon, oh boy. The level of Bitachon Moshe Rabbeinu re- reached could not reach the level of Bitachon of Abraham Yitzhak Yaakov. How do we know? I'm gonna, yes, go ahead. Let's ask our question, but we'll get, remind me to get back to that point. Yes. I guess my concern will always be that we are to develop uh, faith in Hashem. And when we focus on a person, we begin to have, like, we, it's almost like we don't need to have faith in Hashem because you have so much faith, you're going to have it for me. And at that no. point, how do you know? No, no, that's not. Okay, let me I'll tell you a very important, very important story. It's a true story. Uh, that a per- the woman goes to the Rebbe, and Rebbe, pray for me, please, pray for me, please. Uh, my son, this and that. It's $1,000. $1,000? I don't have $1,000. Rebbe, please, pray for me. No, I'm going to pray for you, $1,000. And everyone's looking at the Rebbe, like he's going crazy, what's going on? He's never done this before. $1,000? said, Rebbe, heck with you, I'm going to pray for myself. He said, now I can pray for you. <laughs> now I can pray for you. Because you have a responsibility to yourself as well. I can't pray for you if you yourself are not going to go to God. So as I can only help you, you're praying, I'll pray as well. But if you're not going to pray, you're going to rely on me, I can't do anything. That's, that's a very important idea. And I think that's the idea. And that's also a boundary. The Rebbe's got to, that's his teacher. He's got to teach. He's got to teach that. And the answer is, the Torah says, everyone has a mitzvah to pray. The mitzvah to pray is on everyone. It's not a mitzvah to go to the Rebbe. There's no mitzvah. There's no mitzvah to go and get the Rebbe to pray for you. <laughs> he can't pray for you. He cannot do your mitzvah for you. Why? Because prayer is called mitzvah haguf. It's a mitzvah on the person to pray. It's like saying, I want you to wear my tefillin for me tomorrow. Can't. I want you to sit in my sukkah for me tomorrow. Can't. I want you to shake my lula for me tomorrow. Can't. It's mitzvah haguf. You have to do it. It's, a, it's, it's a, your own personal mitzvah. So prayer is a personal mitzvah. It's not a mitzvah someone else can do for you. But he can say, your prayers are not working, or you think it's not working, I can pray as well for you. I'll pray for you. Why not? I'll add you to my prayers. So that's the job of the Rebbe, to teach. And, uh, and unfortunately, if there's a mis- misinterpretation of this, sometimes the Rebbe is old, and sometimes the Rebbe doesn't know what's going on. It's tragic. But it's so basic, it's so fundamental, it's such a fundamental idea, it's very hard to see how people can make a mistake. Because it's so fundamental to Judaism. That a Rebbe is not God, not divine. May have Ruach Godish. He may have the Holy Spirit, but he's not higher than Moshe Rabbeinu, that's for sure. Right? And Moshe Rabbeinu, we know, was however high he was. He's always called a human being. 
by Ish Moshe. And the highest level a human being can get to, what is the highest level God calls Moshe? In the book of Joshua, he says, Avdi Moshe met, my servant Moshe died. To be a humble servant of Hashem. That's the highest level we can reach, which is, it's wild. Think about it. It's like the most, the worst thing you can tell a person in America today is you're a slave. <laughs> and the highest level a Jew can reach is to be a slave, not a slave, a slave to God. Which means we give our free will away to God and say, God, here's my free will on a plate. I'm going to do what you want. Yes, go ahead. Better question. I was just going to say, I think what also provides that whole concept is this concept of like tethering. The person's tethering their help uh, to a greater sage. So, on the one hand, that sage is making a contract with them in a way, saying, I will help you wherever I am, eventually, even, uh, you know, to, to reach higher levels or to at least have the, the truth point of everything that we're learning. But the person that's relying on that, that it's hard to just uh, dismiss it as you know, they're believing that he's God. But they're tethered. So, okay, I, I compare it to a satellite. A satellite. Okay? The satellite's in orbit. So now we don't really realize the moon is in orbit around the, around the Earth. But it's also following the Earth wherever it goes. So now the Rebbe has got all these satellites around the Rebbe, right? The Rebbe's going a certain direction. He's putting them with him. If the direction is a good direction, no problem. He's putting them in that direction. That's, that's, the way, that's the way it should be. The teacher should pull them in that direction. Because they, they, everyone around, he's teaching them. They're like orbiting around them. So he's putting them in the right direction. Anyway, so I wanted to get to Moshe Rabbeinu, right? Moshe Rabbeinu. So in the end of Parshat Shemot, there's a tragedy. And the tragedy is that Moshe Rabbeinu comes to the Jewish people, he comes to Paro, and he tells Paro, we have a message from Hashem, he does his signs and wonders, he throws a stick on the ground, becomes a snake, and instead of things becoming better for the Jewish people, Paro makes it much worse, right? Paro says, ah, the Jews got time on their hands, no more straw for the Jews. Let them go and get the straw, and gather the straw to make the bricks, but I want the same amount of bricks. And now the Jewish people are really suffering. They're being whipped even more. They're being tortured even more. And they come and they complain to Moshe and Aaron. And Moshe Rabbeinu's heart is breaking. He can't take this anymore. And he says, Hashem, Lama Hariota, why have we done, afflicted the people more? It's worse now. And Hashem's reply was, very rough reply, Atatire, you, now you will see what I will do. But you won't, in other words, now you will see what I'm going to do. Rashi says, now you will see what I'm going to do, but you won't see in the future what I'm going to do. You're going to see this salvation, but you're not going to see a future salvation because you asked that question. And you are not on the level of Abraham Yitzhak Yaakov, who never asked questions. Imagine, Abraham Yitzhak taking his son, he could have said, my son, I'm going to kill my son, it's my future, what's going to happen to the blessings, what's going to happen to all the future? Didn't ask a word, it's amazing. Think about it, it's amazing. That's... Trust it, God. Yes, who's going to inherit me? How will I know? How will I know? Yeah, that was, okay, that was another problem. I'm saying, but Moshe Rabbeinu, they didn't ask major questions of survival. They had so much confidence they were going to survive. But uh, when it came to Moshe Rabbeinu, that's why Hashem's answer was Moshe Rabbeinu. So, on the one hand, there's never a prophet like Moshe. We have to understand this. Moshe is greater than Abraham and Yaakov, a prophecy. But when it comes to bitachon, <laughs> it's amazing, sir. We're all judged at different levels. You may, a person may be greater than one person on this level, but on something else, it may be much lower. Everyone has their strengths, and everyone has their weaknesses. And that's why a person who has weaknesses shouldn't be worried. Because you should say, look, I have a weakness, but I have strengths as well. Always look, we have weaknesses and strengths. Sometimes the weaknesses could be a strength. Sometimes the strengths could be a weakness. It's a person going to know, balance things out. We have to know how to balance things out. So Moshe Rabbeinu, when it comes to Nebuah, is much higher than Abraham Yitzhak Yaakov. Why? Because his knowledge of God was much higher. He knew Hashem like no one else. So the mitzvah of knowing God, Moshe Rabbeinu was number one. He couldn't beat him. No one else could beat him. When it came to trusting in Hashem, he didn't have the same history as Abraham Yitzhak Yaakov, who built themselves up from scratch. Okay, it's, very, it's, it's an interesting, 
idea that there is levels in different people and different levels. So even the guy is two tzadikim. So one is good at this area. We find this in the Gemara. The Gemara talks about it. Rabbi Kiva, when he prayed, he was answered. Rabbi Lazar ben, ben Hurkanus was not answered. They need rain. Right? They need rain. And Eliezer ben, Rabbi Eliezer ben Hurkanus, the great rabbi, was not answered. And our Rabbi Kiva was answered. And his wife says, Rabbi Eliezer, why are you not answered? Why is he answered, not you? He said, okay. Don't ask me those questions. You know, those hard questions to ask. Mm-hmm. That he's greater in terms of his humility or whatever. He's more easygoing. So there's different... Uh, traits a person has that in God's eyes may be strengths <clears throat> and someone else who's greater in some, some respects may be lower in God's eyes in that trait and therefore that person is answered this person is not answered it's very, it's very interesting uh, who is the other one? Choni uh, Amagel he would draw a circle and say Hashem I'm not leaving the circle until you do this who cares? you can stay in your circle <laughs> And the rabbi, who's the chief rabbi at that time? Rabbi Gamliel, he says, I'd put him in cherem. If he wasn't Choni Amagir, I would put him in cherem. I would excommunicate this guy. It's a chutzpah to tell God that. But he says, if I did that all day, nothing would happen. But he does it and, and things happen. So how come? He says, I am like a prince in front of God. And he is like a servant in front of God. In other words, a prince doesn't have access to the palace anytime they want. They have to make an appointment. But the janitor has access 24 hours a day. So he's like the janitor, and I'm like the prince. The advantage of a janitor is he can go at any time he wants. Mm-hmm. This is the, the donkey driver. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The scales. The one that was, everybody asking me why is he able to pray for the rain? Yeah. Uh, it was because there's someone that, a wife whose husband had taken the rent. I don't know the story. Okay. But there's a story of uh, the scales. I don't even know the story of the scales. It says uh, there was a time in the Middle Ages there was no rain. And uh, everyone was praying, all the rabbis were praying, and nothing was helping. So the rabbi one day had a dream. He said, tell the butcher to pray. So they, the next day they called the butcher to pray Lead the, lead the prayers. He says, I know how to pray. I don't want to tell me to pray. No, you have to pray. I had a dream. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.